Farmers today are facing rising costs, volatile markets, and extreme weather. The Better Way to Farm podcast digs into strategies to help you take control of farm inputs and maximize profit so your farm can thrive for generations. Remember to take advantage of our free resources at abetterwaytofarm.com. Now, from America's Heartland, here's your host. Hey, welcome back to the A Better Way to Farm podcast. Just Tyler here, National Field Agronomist with A Better Way to Farm. And we spend each and every day providing solutions for farmers to grow better crops and to make more money. On today's episode, when we talk about growing better crops and making more money, we wanted to invite and guest on. He's been working with the team for a few years. I get the pleasure of working with him personally. He's become a, a great friend over the last couple of years and and one that, that I admire for his hard work on the farm trying to, to raise better crops. We wanted to jump on, share his story how we got to this point and, and what he was able to do this year in 2023, which was uh, pretty phenomenal. But I'm going to have him share his story right now. So let's welcome to the podcast, Tyler Jenke. Tyler, how are you doing today, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Yeah, this is always fun. I know that you, uh, a lot of people in your neck of the woods call you TJ. So I don't know if if to separate this, everybody can tell a difference in a voice. So maybe, you know, when Tyler talks to Tyler, uh, it won't be that big a deal, but uh, why don't we start from the beginning? You, like many of our clients that we work with, finally worked up some courage, but you didn't just stumble across our our stuff one day and say, hey, I'm I'm going to reach out to these guys. So, so start from the beginning and, and kind of lead us into to what you're doing today. Well, it was about five years ago, and uh, I contacted A Better Way to Farm through the Facebook page. You called me a day later. And you said, uh, remember this moment in time, because it's going to kind of change your operation. And it it did. You know, our yields have, have increased and I'm, I've took control of my cost of production. I'm making management decisions on, you know, what fertility I want to lay down and the timing of it. That's been a great change. I, I, I feel like I can have a little extra money to throw different things and different micronutrients at, at the crop when it needs it. And one of the things that I want to hit on real quick is that, you know, when, when you joined the team five years ago and we had that conversation, you had actually been following the page for a few years prior to that and and really never pulled the trigger on reaching out. And so just real quick to those that are listening to this, that have been listening for a while, before we dive into this, what what's your advice? Do, do they need to just continue to wait and continue to listen to these podcasts and listen to Rod on, you know, Facebook or TikTok or or what do you suggest? Just make the call and figure out, you know, if you want to let, keep letting the co-op manage your acres for you, or do you want to start making management decisions on your own? And that's what it came down to for me is like, I wanted to learn and get better and be educated on, on what all these nutrients do and how I can influence a crop to grow better yields more efficiently. And that's what it, that's what it came down for me was, was just the education of it and becoming a better farmer and more efficient. Yeah. Dive deeper into that education side of things, because when you reach out to us and you say, Hey, you know what? I want to work with, with you guys. You know, it it seems like you guys are doing some pretty cool stuff, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, but we pride ourselves on the education side of this do you, you want to talk about that a little bit the pro ag meetings that you guys have all over the country what do you guys do two a week basically mm-hmm. I mean, 
attend one of those, even if you aren't going to use any of these products, the education side of that meeting is gets the ball rolling and starts, it makes, makes, made me start asking questions on what these different micronutrients do, what a high quality starter will do for your operation. Yeah. And one of the things that you also mentioned, I I love this because you literally said like three things and I, I love every single one of them, but you even talked about taking control of your own operation. And and the interesting thing is, is that, you know, we have a soil testing program that you can go through. And, and from that, where you submit your soil test, then you can get recommendations back. So we get that a lot that, you know, people don't like, you know, maybe going to the ag retail location because they're pulling soil samples. And, and then all of a sudden they're telling you what to apply for fertilizer, well, well, we're doing something similar, right? We're, we're pulling the soil tests. But the thing of it is, is that we're not telling you what to put. We're, we're allowing you to make that decision. And that's where things get a little bit different. So when you went through that process with us, what did you start to see right away that was different? Well, it's mostly on the micronutrient side. It's not just NPK. You know, it's boron, copper, manganese you know, all the, all the, all the different stuff, but, but not only that, you know, it gives you recommendation. Like if you're, if your P and K is, you know, if you got 25, 35 parts per million phosphorus, you might not need to put on six gallons of starter. You could maybe cut that back to four if the market prices aren't as good and you don't want to, you know, spend the extra money. You can fine tune your cost per acre. You know, maybe, maybe you don't want to put on as much manganese or copper, because the prices are inflated on the on the nutrient side, so you can you can fine tune that to fit your yield goals or your uh, your margin. And and it's more about a reallocation of dollars, wouldn't you agree that that when you're looking at things, especially for you, because you were, uh, and, and I'm I'm going to tell a little bit of your story for you, but but when you were you came to us, you were trying to grow some high yield crops but you were applying a, a very large amount of dry broadcast fertilizer, you know, off of the co-op recommendations, thinking that you were doing, doing the right thing. So you were already throwing some cash at this to, to try to do some pretty incredible things. But wouldn't you admit that your cost, of, you, you, well, you mentioned your cost of production going down, but that reallocation of dollars is what's really starting to to kind of fine tune and, and actually show you some benefit, show you some more return over that acre. Right. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, dry has this place, MAP or DAP, you know, it has this place. If you need to, if you need some phosphorus, you know, built up in your soil, there's a, there's a place for that. But instead of spending, you know, 80, 90 bucks on map and then another $25 on starter, I was, I was over 110 bucks an acre. Um, now I'm, I'm around that 85, 90 bucks an acre. And so I have an, an extra 15, 20 bucks that if I have to, if I want to follow your feed or I want to do something a little different, I can, I can stack something on there on a late season to try to push yield. If, you know, conditions are right and the crop looks good and the market is good. So so talking about good things, one of the things that we have been working on is pushing production. You live in an area where central Nebraska, right? You've got some good ground. Yeah, there might be some better ground somewhere else. But the way you manage it, what you do for for education, which I absolutely, again, love that, that you dedicate 
you know, investment dollars to learning more and to, you know, um, educating yourself on how to make things work better for your operation. But that leads us to, to 2023 where, and you guys, did it hit D4 out where you were at? I mean, it was about D4 drought everywhere across the Midwest. Yeah, I mean... I don't even know how much rain we got total. It wasn't very much, probably two inches over the whole year. So I had a pivot that ran 30 days straight. And, you know, I just couldn't shut it off. I was going to shut it off. And then the weather changed to be 110 for two weeks. And I, I wasn't going to shut it off. So you're the reason why my water pressure in my shower went down this summer, huh? <laughs> 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 but let's just dive into 2023. Do you... I'm just going to let you take the reins and and you kind of talk about, I don't care if you want to start at the harvest and, and work to planting and do it backwards, or if you want to start wherever you want to start, but, but I would really want you to to share your, your story of 2023. Well, I mean, we're just going to talk soybeans here. Or, um, it's, it's totally up to you, man. Well, hey, let's, let's start at planting. So, and everyone talks about early planting soybeans and that's what I try to do. I mean, everyone probably heard it by now, but you know, pay the dollar an acre insurance and up your planting date. If the if the weather is perfect and it's warm, put your soybeans in the ground. You know, if if there's a cold snap ahead, you know, wait wait until you get some some weather above seventy degrees. But just go ahead and put them in. Don't put all your acres in if you don't want to. You don't feel comfortable, but just try it. And uh, I think planting early, you know, you're going to get more nodes per plant. A longer growing season, the plant's going to take up more nutrients early on, and you're just going to stack those nodes tighter. And I think that's the formula for for higher yielding soybeans. When you look at starting out, you know a lot of the growers that I've chatted with over the, especially the last you know month, month and a half. I you know I do a lot of soil sampling for for the team, and a lot of the growers are still trying to get past treating soybeans as the you know the the redheaded stepchild or, or however you want to say that and and that you know a lot of people are are like well so you want us to fertilize your our, our soybeans as if they're their own crop instead of just allowing them and i literally had a, a client tell me this he's like well yeah but generally i'll just i'll feed the corn um and then and then i, I love this because he said whatever's left over is is what feeds the beans and, and he's a, a new client by the way he, he just started with us weeks ago but that was the whole mentality and even back in, in my co-op days that was that was the mentality and even back then that drew that drove me nuts but um you know you didn't have a lot of people applying you know the variable rate dry broadcast over top of soybeans even though i would re- uh, recommend it back then but when you look at you know the nutrition side of things um, what are some of the things you're doing at planting other than planting early? Uh, we're, I got some furrow jets, so I'm banding in a, in a one by one, um, some starter with some micros, you know, calcium, manganese, copper, um, try to build that stock strength in that soybean and, and keep it healthy early on. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. So you're telling me that you're using a liquid and furrow product that you can actually put close to the row on those soybeans without any damage. How, how are you getting away with that? <laughs> well, it's a low start, low salt starter. So it's, it's safer for soybeans. 
haven't seen any emergence problems. You know, we're low CECs, you know, eight to 12 CECs. Um, that's why I like those furrow jets too, because I can go up to six gallons if, if not even more, if the soil test calls for it. Yep. Yeah. You can really load, load that up. What's next on the list as we move through the season? Well, like I said, plant early, but I'm going to talk herbicide here a little bit, you know, layer your residuals, um, get your residual on early. Last year, our soybeans weren't as good. We, I don't want to knock herbicides here, but we were dicamba and we were coming in as late as possible with dicamba. I don't know what the spray date is. Is it June? Is it June 10th? Okay. Yep. And so that plant's flowering. It's way too late. That plant's flowering. You're coming in with dicamba and you can just physically see the plant almost shrink and it looks sick. And what we were doing, we were slowing that plant down. It wasn't producing sugars. It wasn't photosynthesizing. And it was just shutting it down. And that's the worst possible time. So that's why I like to layer residuals. Keep your weed control, you know, under control. That way you don't have to come with a rescue later on. So now we switched to Liberty in the E3 platform. And um, I'm coming in there before, you know, right around early R2, you know, with some Liberty or sorry, R or R three, R two, sorry, and coming in there and just keeping it clean, Liberty warrant, and you know we have pivots, so we're watering it in. That's working for us. So I think that was the biggest change from last year to this year because our beans, like I said, were you know sixty five seventy, and this year they were way above that. So I think that's <laughs> a big part of it. Yeah, significantly more. I am just going to throw this out there that you were able to achieve some triple digit yields on those soybeans. And, and I'll let you dive into that a little bit later. But when you look at going out there and, you know, foliar feeding, how, how many, how many actual applications over those beans did you make throughout the year? Just, uh, just fertility or herbicide and, and everything. Yeah. Everything. I want to say six or seven. It was seven because, you know, I came in with a fungicide. We have Japanese beetles awful in our area. So I, at the time the fungicide needed to go on, we didn't have any beetles. So I held out the insecticide. Um, so then a, a couple of weeks later, the, the, the beetles came and I came back with an insecticide. So that, that cost me an extra pass. Um, but it's still cheaper than having the airplane come and do it. So. Yeah. You guys are able to run, run your rig over the, over the, the crop. And, and one of the things that, that we've got to share here and, and coming from both Tyler's is that when you look at your operation, six to seven passes may seem like a lot and it, it may be challenging at times. I, I know that the weather obviously plays a role and plays a factor in some of this. Well, well, for us, I'll, I'll say this. We grow seed corn. A lot of our soybean acres are on seed corn acres. And the weed pressure in seed corn is, it's hard to control. You can't control it because you can't use Roundup. You can't use Liberty. Basically, your only weapon is status. So we have a lot of weed seed from our seed corn that gets laid over next year into our soybeans. That, that's why we have to make so many passes because we have to layer them residuals you know, it's it's just a lot more intense management on the soybean just because of that, because of the weed pressure from the seed corn. Sure, sure. So, so then, Tyler, I'm going to have you talk directly to the listener that that wants to grow 
high yield soybeans. He, he, wa- he wants to take his management of his soybeans instead of treating them as an afterthought, really wants to 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 market them and use that for some some income so that he can you know lower his cost of production going over it, it, increasing your management steps going over making multiple passes across the the field whether it's any crop wouldn't you agree though is necessary in, in order to achieve kind of some of those greater returns yeah it might not be 6 or 7 and that, and that was my that was my biggest point is that you see value in going over your field six, seven times. Maybe the the listener that's listening to this, maybe they they they're sitting there like, man, I I don't think I can do that. But you can probably do it three or four times, maybe. Certainly, certainly two times. And then as you're going over that, talk a little bit about your your program. Don't don't want to give away too much of the secret sauce just yet. But but talk about some of those things that as the 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 straight to the listener that's listening to this. What, what do you what would you recommend to a grower trying to to achieve some of the things that that you've been able to accomplish? Well, you know, first and foremost, you know, you, in our area with the irrigation and as what it is, you have to fungicide if you want to get higher yielding beans. And the way I do that, you know, I was talking about Liberty earlier. We use the dual fan high pros. Um, to try to get better coverage. I ran seven gallons of carrier and I ran 70 PSI, just blowing that on throughout the canopy to try to get the best coverage that I can. In that fungicide pass, I'm putting some micronutrients, some manganese, some iron. And what I'm trying to do there is I'm trying to stimulate that plant to produce more sugars. Because as you know, from the pro-ag meeting, a bushel of soybeans, you need 300 pounds of sugar to make a bushel of soybeans. So that's what that's what this is all about is trying to keep that plant healthy, making it more sugar, making it more proteins, more yield. But also, you know, I, I came late um, with a product, that, you know, where where my beans were over a hundred. Um, I came in with a product, and it wait, was wait, 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 say that, say that one more time, real quick, for the people not following. You said when your soybeans were over what bushels? A hundred. A hundred uh, over a hundred bushels an acre of soybeans. Mm-hmm. I, ju- I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> well, the, the one pass that I made, it was kind of a trial. I was actually trying to burn them. I kind of went off label. I wasn't off label from the EPA. It's off label from this specific product. It only says to use two quarts an acre. I was up around five to six quarts an acre on this product because I doubled it up. I increased the rate, but I was trying to burn them to see what I could get away with. And uh, it was an eight bushel difference across the whole field. So, but it was an eight bushel better response. <laughs> yes, for yeah. a $12 investment. Yeah. And, and so those are some of the things that as a grower trying to do this, we don't sit there and say, you have to do this our way. We simply make the recommendations and then sit down individually and say, all right, Tyler, what, you know, what's, what's the deal? You know, I I think on a future episode, we'll have to talk about your corn because we're trying to do some pretty big things there on that side. But I know hitting, you know, a hundred plus bushel soybeans was something that we've been trying to do 
for the last five years. And I know something that you've had your eye on for a long time. So I've got to congratulate you on, on that, that achievement, you know, and the interesting thing is, I don't know if you want to talk a, a little bit about that side of it, the, any of the, the, the plot size or, or anything like that. What other suggestions is, as we kind of slow this thing down and, and bring this thing to a close, what, what other things that do you want to talk about or, or to mention to, to the specific listener that's listening and tuning in today? Well, yeah, I will talk about the plot size. You know, the, it was, it was probably only five acres on the plot, but that that's just cause I had some spare product left and I just upped the rate. And, but I did put it across the whole field and the whole field over the scale did 88 um, I have some sandy spots that, you know, I just couldn't get enough water on in a, a dry pivot corner. Um, but, you know, we always say it starts with the soil test and, and that's where I identified this, this need that I, I needed this product over the top late. And I have a good friend that I work with too closely and he has a five-year trend of soybeans and he noticed a, a drop off of this nutrient that happens around that, you know, R3 stage. And so that's when I wanted to go in and address that. And so without him doing the tissue tests and, and all that, I would have never, never known that. But also, you know, three years ago, I had a, I've kind of replicated this trial three years in a row. We had some of this product left over and dad's like, just go get rid of it. Go, go spray it on the soybeans. I was like, okay. So I only did, you know, again, uh, I think it was about five acres is all. And again, you know, when I was picking them soybeans, like, oh, these are different. They're greener. They're more alive. They're tougher. The moisture was higher. They were like 13 moisture. But again, it was the same response. It was seven to eight bushel difference on that one spot. Which is absolutely huge. Now, how would listeners, well, well, uh, but before we do, before we do that, let's, let's do this. Is there any final advice for any of the growers listening? that you can give to them in in order to to kind of grow bigger beans, you know, in, increase their yields, increase their net return, decrease their cost of production. What what kind of, you know, last final advice, golden golden nugget, golden ticket can can you share with our listeners? I mean, I can't really give recommendations over this thing cuz every every acre is different. The only thing I can say is come to a pro ag meeting then you can diagnose your own, own soil and decide for yourself what you think your crop needs. That's where it starts. Starts with the soil test, starts with the pro ag, get to a meeting and just go from there. And then we'll, you know, the best thing about these meetings, I've been, I've been to four or five or six of them. I still like to go, for, not, not alone for the information, but just to visit with other growers in the area or people that I haven't met yet. I think that's the biggest value of some of these meetings is talking with other people and what they're doing. And sharing their stories. And how would those those growers get a hold of you if they want some more information on on how you're able to to be successful with the program, or if any if anybody you know wanted to reach out to you to find out more information on one of these two day fundamentals of agronomy events, or, or really anything like that, just to to chat with another grower, where can they reach you at? Well, I'll, I'll, here's my cell number: 308-390-5362 is my cell phone number. Call, shoot me a text. I'm also on Twitter at Janky TJ. That's J A N K Y T J. Hit me up on Twitter as well, and I'll answer any questions or or help you 
help you get to a pro ag if that's what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler, thank you very much for that, man. I, I really, really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm I'm super thrilled about the success you had growing triple digit soybeans in a year where yes, you did have some water to help you out, but it was a drought everywhere else. And and still the the field corners, like you alluded to, pulled that that average down and and to be able to to have a field average over a hundred bushels is is something that you're very very close to uh something that obviously you pull those corners out and there was a couple other things that you pull out and and, and then all of a sudden you're pushing that that average up to to triple digits so please reach out to tyler 308-390-5362 and and yeah he can he can point you in the right direction uh a great member of the team value everything that he does for us so, Tyler, thank you very much for your time today. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Wouldn't be here without you, bud. And as always, as we close this down, we hope that you have a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com. Verbal Crowd.